Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, but we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. It's comics. And here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello. Hello. We are here. Yeah. We are robots. <laughs> I don't know why that introduction was so robotic. No, quite, quite stiff. <laughs> it's like we have never spoken before a microphone before, and it feels all a little bit strange. Yeah. How are you, biddy biddy biddy? What's up, Buck? Hey, kids! Episode one. <laughs> is that what it's like? Mm. Is it like the very first episode? Are we're, you just gonna we're, go? We're um, really um, stiff. Um, um, it's okay. The, the comics are all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that all you're gonna contribute today? Hello, welcome back to the show for another one of these impromptu summer specials. Yeah. That will come out at some point over the next couple of months as I get bothered releasing them. Mm. But, you know, we should be more proactive, you're saying. I am, What did yeah. you do this week? Uh, I, I met uh, Scroobius Pip. You met Scroobius yeah, Pip? Yeah, we've, we've mentioned him on the show before. We have. Musician turned podcaster. And I got up on stage with him, and we both... You sat in front in of a proper microphone. In front of a, a live audience. A live studio audience. We discussed... Always better than a dead one. We discussed podcasts. Did you? We did. And what gleams, what gleams, what nuggets... Of uh, of knowledge did Mr. Pip impart well, to you? We were we were discussing in our five minute chat. Five minutes? Yeah. Well, let's get released. Oh, Would you be on a Scroobius Pip podcast? No, he, out of the book tour, only three of the shows got recorded, and this wasn't one of them. This was not that one of them. Sucks. It does. Uh, yeah. So what we discussed was he does comics. His... No, we didn't. Oh. That. But he does his podcast on a weekly basis, and he said people always go there to check on a Wednesday, and it's always there, and it's always reliable. Whereas we've trained our audience to, to yeah. Thursdays. And so when I got up on the stage with him, I said, like, you know, I do... Plugged our show. I did. I Excellent. Did. I, uh, I said, yeah, we did a podcast, and we did it every week. Okay. And it's, it started to, to drag a little bit, and we weren't mm-hmm. enjoying it as much. But now we're doing it irregularly, mm. we're enjoying it a lot more, but... The problem with that is people used to check every Thursday on that show, and now they're not checking. Mm-hmm, that's true. So people will listen on a on occasion. Yeah. Every they'll, now and again. They'll, they'll check. They'll go, oh. A shiny new episode. Yeah. That may have been released two two weeks ago. Yeah, that could have. And mm-hmm. we've, we've already had people saying, I had no idea you guys were carrying on. That's true. We've had people unsubscribe. Have we? Hi, Ryan. That is shocking. You know, because we did actually make a last episode. That is true. <laughs> We made a big deal out of um, out of it being the last episode, and then we released another one about three weeks we, later. We buried ourselves, and then when everyone went home, we jumped out saying, surprise! To be fair, in my defence, at the time that we recorded the last episode, I didn't know we were going to record something for the lakes. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have changed the order of those episodes, but the last one had already gone up. Yes. So I, I didn't know that that was, that was actually going to happen. So, you know. It's like people want us to stop. I know, yeah, that's just shocking. 
Now, the reason we bring all this up about our irregular schedule uh, is that not that we're going back to weekly. Yeah. We've been keeping up a bi-weekly schedule over summer. Okay. It's, that's, that's pretty good, I think. Okay. Well, all right, I think. Well, if you if you object to overheartily, you it, edit and put them up. Is it bi-weekly? Pretty much. Oh, we've there, been, was, we've there, been... was a, there was a good month between a couple of episodes. It's bi-weekly in my head. Okay, yeah. Now, the reason we bring all this up is the email sack... Is is bone dry? That was almost a professional segue. It was it was very much almost <laughs> a professional segue, with only one email in it. Now in in ye olden days, I would have gone, "There's the email," but that would be a blatant lie. Yes, a blatant. Do you remember falsehood. when you used to print emails? I off? did actually used to print emails off, yeah. so you could actually hear them. Just to feel like a, a just to feel like a proper professional to feel important and uh, now on the news <laughs> yeah to actually and be able to hey read kids them. news hey kids news yeah well we don't do that but um we've only got one email so and is that part of it that we are now not like a bowel movement quite but are we like a bowel movement <laughs> well, we, <laughs> used to be, we used to be regular <laughs> like you're eating your bran all the time right okay, okay and now right, okay. we're not a regular bowel movement right so okay. people aren't eating the bran. I was going to say, I knew we weren't particularly very good or professional, <laughs> but I never thought we were bowel movement here. You never thought we were quite that Yeah. is what you were going to say. <laughs> kind of a watery one as well. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a bit grim. <laughs> but our first email is not It's, it's <laughs> unlike our podcast. Unlike the podcast. <laughs> It's just called Team Up Trilogy, and it is by the ever-wonderful Chris Franklin, who never lets us down. Mm. Has to be said. Hello, Leyland. Hello, Christopher. Great episode. I always love emails that start like that. Examining the Bronze Age Team Up titles. I'm a sucker for those, both then and now. They introduced me to a huge chunk of each universe. I have all three of these issues. Although I missed the Superman OMAC story in my youth. The saga of the Frogman, how's that for a trade paperback title, was a narrative thread that carried over from Marvel Team-Up to the regular Spidey titles, off and on, for the better part of the 80s, and I grew rather fond of the character. There was also something strangely attractive about the White Rabbit, but since I'm not into furries, let's not go there. (laughs) She only really had the ears, didn't she? I don't know. I don't wasn't, remember, wasn't like... Wasn't skin white as well? Like, white. Yeah, but wasn't it just powder? Wasn't it just, like, Ace Freely? Was he the guy in Kiss who had his first, like, a cat? Yeah. Wasn't it him? Really? She wasn't really a cat. She no, wasn't... I, I, those... I know she wasn't really a cat. <laughs> no, no, you know what I mean? She's not one of those straight... Have you ever seen that guy who's had his first tattooed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also had his lip yeah. surgically changed so that he looks like a cat? Yeah. She wasn't one of them. Yeah, but she was... I, I can't think of any furries who have undergone surgery to actually look <laughs> like yeah. whatever they look like. Uh, that's, that's true. Right. But in comic books, she yeah. could look like a cat and that would be perfect. Because like, Tigra. Yes. Does Tigra not look like a cat? Or is she a pretty woman who happens to have cat-like furry tendencies? Yeah, she's she's a cat without it being weird. Right. <laughs> is there anywhere that that is never not weird? <laughs> She's a cat without it being weird. Yeah. So As like, opposed to that weird, weird being like a cat. Thing. So, you know, she's supposed to be a cat person, but it's all right because she's pretty attractive. <laughs> just ignore the tail. Yeah, she's kind of hot if you ignore the tail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think your comic book fetishes are showing. <laughs> you got a thing, though. Whereas the black cat, it's all a suit. That's the true. The black cat is just a she, reference. She, unlike Tigra, is not a furry. 
No, she's not. And Catwoman. Yes. It's all about the leather with Catwoman mm. and the cat and nine tails that she whips you with and the tail and, and the whole bondage angle. Yeah. yeah. Her and Wonder Woman should get together. Mm. I think they would have a jolly good night. <laughs> I think. And then they'd never mention it again. No. Neither one of them would talk what, about what, it. What happens in, in Paradise <laughs> Island stays in Paradise Island. <laughs> what happens in the cattery <laughs> stays in the cattery. <laughs> oh, Alan Brennett is one of the greatest Batman writers ever, continues Chris. With only a handful of comic book stories under his belt, he managed to write a small group of genuine classics. This issue of Brave and the Bull being one of them. Alan Brennett's um, name is on Enterprise. Okay. I have just noticed in my watch of Enterprise on Netflix for the first time, mm. where I've you know been selecting episodes and then watched all of season three, Alan Brennett's name is on there, so maybe that's why it's got good. Right. It's always possible, isn't it? A few answers to the questions on this one. Earth 2 Robin did eventually adopt the adult yellow-legged costume you mentioned after a decade of wearing that truly hideous Batman-like outfit. Brennett created the Catwoman as abused wife angle here. Her false tale of amnesia was once canon, first related in Batman tales of the early 50s, where Catwoman went straight before disappearing into comic book limbo for 10 years. Oh, and Dick was the best man at Bruce and Selina's wedding per DC Superstars issue 17, when the marriage of the happy couple was first disclosed and we were introduced to the daughter helena aka the huntress there is a new tales of the batman hardcover collecting all of brennett's batman work just came out and it's on my must buy list even though i have copies of every batman comic he's written cindy and i discussed this story and two other brennett batman classics on episode eight of supermate with our pal rob kelly rob also conducted an excellent interview with mr brennett himself on episode 95 of the fire and water podcast which was later transcribed for back issue magazine which means rob actually got paid for podcasting in a roundabout way how about that fantastic show as always gents chris host of supermates with his wife cindy and that's it from the email sack the cupboard was burr yes we do thank you chris for for emailing in um DC Superstar 17, pretty sure I've read that. Is that in the greatest Batman stories ever told anywhere? Or a DC Presents or a Blue Ribbon Digest or something? Oh no, it's in a super it's in a superheroes. You know the okay. British superheroes? Right. It's reprinted in that. That's right. where I've read it. Right, yeah, that does that does ring a bell. We've talked about the superheroes before, haven't we? Uh, yes. And um Alan Brennett, yeah, the back issue magazine. So it's good that Rob got paid for podcasting. Mm-hmm. Wish we could do that. I know. Anyway, um, yeah, that's what Patreon's for. Uh, Turn that off. Turn the email off. There is no email tonight. It's all gone. (laughs) Very sad. But it means that we can move straight on to talking about three classic, two classics and another comic, uh, all devoted to current star of the hour, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, who is currently very big, thanks Mm. to the short shorts of Margot Robbie. And the new Suicide Squad movie. Oh, we could mention that. We've both seen Suicide Squad. We have. Haven't we? What did you think of it? As I, I, I like keep like to keep saying this, mm. I'm quite fond of my quick review. Of your own voice? Yeah. Uh, I didn't enjoy it, but I wasn't bored. But in the same way that I wouldn't be bored watching a child with ADHD. <laughs> um, I did enjoy it in the sense that we went out for the night and you wanted to watch it, so me and your mum took her. Mm. And for the two hours that we were in the cinema, I was entertained by it, even as there were bits of it that I was... Can you explain something to me? What was that bit early on where Batman captures Harley Quinn and then goes in to kiss her and then starts to throttle her? What was that scene all about? I thought it was just kiss life and that. 
Was it was a, underwater. And was it? And war is it a dream sequence? I didn't. I, I just assume he was like. Right. She's not breathing. No. Okay, all right, fair enough. Yeah. I didn't get that bit. Yeah. But for the most part, I think my problem with it, and this could have been editing problems, because yeah. by all accounts, it had gone through a number of changes in the editing booth. Mm. For me, I couldn't decide whether it wanted to be Guardians of the Galaxy or Deadpool. It seemed to be going for either one of those, well, either similar. irreverent comedy, yeah, like Deadpool, or entertaining adventure with funny bits like Guardians. It was similar to Deadpool in that it wanted to be the subversive Justice League Avengers. Yeah. But it didn't... It, it couldn't remember that it was a film for the mm. first 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And then the back half of it was just a super team film. The first 30 minutes did feel like, let's play a song, let's play another song, yeah, yeah. let's play another song. And I'm like, am I watching a movie or am I listening to the radio? Mm. But I'm not going to say I wasn't entertained by it. And it did feel very much like DC handpicked who that Suicide Squad would be so that they can all be in future movies and not have to introduce them. So you had a handful of, of Batman villains, Deadshot, yeah. Harley, the Joker, Killer Croc. Killer Croc replaced King Shark. Did he? Yes. Was it supposed to be King Shark originally? Yeah. But he's been on The Flash this year. Mm. So is that why they replaced him? And they didn't him? have the budget for that. Well, even in the film. I have no idea about that. But the TV show could afford King Shark. Yeah, but they couldn't afford anything else for the rest of the season. No, that's true. Yeah, they could, well, for that episode, anyway. And then Captain Boomerang is setting up The Flash, the Flash yeah. presumably. Because The Flash was in it. Because The Flash got to be in it, as did Batman. Hmm. And so that felt very much like, well, if we throw all these characters in this movie, we don't have to bother introducing them all. We've yeah. already done it. Hmm. And the Batman bits were good. I liked the Batman bit, even if they were very similar, if not the exact same mm. as perhaps another comic book company. Yes, go on, tell us what you mean. Oh the, my the, head, that. the bit at the end of the credits. Oh, that, no, the I, didn't, I didn't mean the Nick Fury bit. The, you're right. Okay, I meant the bit where he takes down Deadshot. The bit where he comes swooping yeah, yeah, in yeah. the alley. That was a good shot. The bit that was advertised around. Oh my God, Batman's in yeah. it. Yeah, and him landing on the roof of the Joker mobile. That mm. was funny. But I do think we, we do you know, see, we had differing opinions on the Joker. I thought he was all right. I thought he was very, he wasn't the Joker, essentially. No, well, I'm, not mom, gonna, I'm not going to say he was bad. I'm just going to say he wasn't the Joker. Well, your mum's problem with it was the Joker-Harley relationship was presented in that film as them actually caring for well, each other, yeah, whereas the Joker don't give a toss about Harley. The problem with it was it was a Joker-Harley relationship. Mm. But the other problem with that is... You could have excised the Joker from the movie completely and it wouldn't have made a blind bit of difference. It was written and advertised mm. as a Joker Suicide Squad film. I see, I did, I, from what I saw, which was very little, I got that it was being advertised as a Will Smith film. No, it's, if you look at trailers, Joker's in them heavily, mm. and Harley. You look at all the merchandise, mm. Joker, Harley Quinn. Right. You know, you look at the posters and that. Joker's quite big on them. Mm. He was quite a big... He cast a shadow over the rest of the cast, in it? He did, and but he wasn't part of it. You could, no, Like I say, you could cut him out and it wouldn't matter. It's, David Ayer said that there was enough scenes mm. with the Joker to make a Joker film. Now, what that says is they got carried away with it, and mm. they wrote a Joker film with the Suicide Squad in. And then when it came to filming it, they cut all those scenes out. They then remembered it was Suicide Editing. Squad. Yeah, so they edited it and that. So because of that, there is... A lot of setup for this character that goes nowhere because he's not because, part of the Suicide Squad. Because they wrote a film and then cut half of it out, right? Because they remembered, oh yeah, it's not about the Joker. 
No, and they made it about Will Smith's dead shot. Yeah, they? but the film suffers because it's it's missing half of what was written for that film. But either way, it's still nearly two hours long. Yeah. So would we have had a, another but numberthon if they'd left all that stuff in? Probably, yeah. Because as it was, like you, I wasn't bored by it. Mm. I, I did enjoy it. I thought its rating was peculiar. It's not an 18. It, well, it's a 15. Is it? So you're right. I thought it was an 18. <laughs> no, it's a 15. Right, it's not an 18 either. Well, it's definitely not an 18 because it got a 15. Do I keep saying 18? Yes. It's not a 15. You can edit that to make me sound a bit more professional. A bit more smart, yeah. I, I didn't... It's not a 15. I didn't think it was a 15. It's you know a, what I think? It's a 12, eh? I think they were chasing Deadpool. Yeah. And Deadpool got an eight, a 15 rating. Not an 18, because it wasn't worth it. But it got a 15. So an R rating in the US is a 15 to us? Well, it's an NC-17 in America, isn't it? Or is R is R different to NC-17? I thought it was an R rating. I don't know. I don't because know. Because we, we like ratings. to follow this, this R rating trend now. Right. Well, our ratings are UPG 12-12A, yeah. 15-18. Yeah. So that's ours. And it, both of them got a 15. I didn't think Suicide Squad, in comparison to Deadpool, just in terms of rating of the movie, yes. not in quality of the movie or whatever, I didn't think Suicide Squad was a 15. No. Most of the violence that occurred was against the rock monsters. Yeah, and it's all cartoon violence anyway. Yeah. Oh, spoilers. And yeah, and a lot of the, viol- the violence was cartoony. And, you know, I, don't, I think it should have been a 12A yeah, yeah, yeah. at most. But, you know, what it was what it was. The BBFC made the call on that for, for whatever reason. I'm sure you could look it up on the website if you wanted to. Um, so it was all right. You know, that's the. I, I'm not in a rush to see it again. Yeah. It was all right. I didn't think much of the end scene where Amanda Waller comes and gives a file to Bruce Wayne. The Avengers. Who's, who's getting together a, a team yeah. for an initiative that he's working out. Yes. Yeah. But d- don't suggest in any way... Mm. That uh, that Warner Brothers may be emulating the path or trying to follow in the path of a, of a, a successful yeah. brand of movies that have, have already been released. We don't suggest that. We we don't. We'll just well, but we'll just sit here with our popcorn. We'll just point it out that yeah. uh, that scene at the end was a little bit familiar. Anyway, that that's what we thought of Suicide Squad. So hardly a, a ringing endorsement. No. So basically, not bad. No, it, it, it exists. It exists, and I don't have an opinion on it either way. It may be good for a, an hour or two if you've had a pizza or been on a date or whatever. Uh, I don't know that it's suitable for children under fourteen. To be honest, it's not unsuitable, but, but it's, it's not suitable, yeah. and it's it's got a very grim. God, I need a shower after watching that tone. Do you know what it reminded me of? Does it? It reminded me of Batman Earth One. It reminded me of of. MTV music videos, yeah, and that, directed by Aphex and the Arkham game, games, I don't and know. the Crow. I, I guess no, it wasn't that dark or bleak like that. No, but it was constantly. It was a bit icky. I didn't think it was icky. Did you not? No, it was too loud to be icky. All right, see, I I left the cinema with a feeling with, with the cinema. I left the cinema, darling. <laughs> Relief, Warwick. Never, never get bored of a Monty Python joke. Yeah, um, biggeth dicketh. <laughs> Um, I left the cinema with a, this thin film over me that needed washing off. Right, I, I left going, bloody hell, is it the early 2000s again? <laughs> Alright, okay. Alright, yeah, so Suicide Squad is kind of... It wasn't awful. It's, it's the... Yeah. 
it's there if you want to go and watch it. I'll wait for the DVD. I'll wait for the Blu-ray DVD. Yeah. And it's there if you don't want to go and watch it. I mean, it's probably going to be more successful than Ghostbusters. That's that's true. Whether it deserves to be more successful than Ghostbusters is, is entirely up to people who've seen both for, to judge. Yeah. Because I have not watched Ghostbusters. Me neither, so... Alright, we'll be back after these commercial messages with um, a, a shameless Harley Quinn show. So after we've just done a lot about Suicide Squad, would it be crass to do a show about one of the stars of that film? Somewhat. But Somewhat. has that ever stopped us? No, it hasn't. Oh, yeah, we've got to say this as well. What? Uh, Angela, my lovely wife, actually thought his name was Deadshot Ricochet. Yeah. After that Batman story, the dead shot ricochet, which I that's, thought was was really funny. That's because whenever you see or hear the, the I go dead shot ricochet. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's understandable. You subliminally confused. Yeah, I'm subliminally confused. No, his name's just dead shot. Yeah. So who's dead shot ricochet? <laughs> that's his brother. <laughs> Let's be honest. That is a good name. It's, it is. If I could go back in time, I would change your name to dead shot ricochet. There's there's no secret age, the secret name for that. There is or an identity. No. So Mr. Ricochet. <laughs> So what do you do for a living, Mr. Deadshot Ricochet? <laughs> I, t- I thought I was genius, actually. Mm. When she said that, I thought I was good. Anyway, yeah, commercial break. Back in a minute. My name is Michael Bailey, and I am still kind of a bad geek. Not a fan of anime. Never seen any of the Harry Potter films, much less read the books. I ventured a little further into the worlds of Star Wars and Star Trek, and I've even managed to watch a little Doctor Who. I've also managed to not watch a single episode of The Walking Dead. So what do I like? Comic Comic books. books. I have been reading and collecting comic books since 1987, and I've been a fan of superheroes for as long as I can remember. Some would consider this a hobby, but I prefer to look at it as what it truly is, a crippling addiction that I may never recover from. Back in 2007, I started a podcast called Views from the Long Box. To deal with this borderline personality disorder. Every week or so, I pick a particular comic or issue or character or whatever to talk about them, and then, well, I, I talk about them. It's kind of what a podcast is. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I'm joined by my semi-regular co-host, the Irredeemable Shag, or Thomas DJ, and the permanent semi-regular co-host, Andrew Leyland, and sometimes another friend from the podcasting and comic book world stops by to chat. The show is located at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com where you can find old episodes and show notes and links to my other internet endeavors. You can also find the show on Facebook and I'm on Twitter under the handle at Bailey's Podcasts. Views from the Longbox, a podcast about comic books or a desperate cry for help. You decide every Tuesday or so at www. One of the single greatest interpretations of the Batman in modern times was Batman the Animated Series. Successfully distilling everything that was great about the Batman mythos and removing the chaff, Batman the Animated Series managed to be pretty much everything a Batman fan could want from a series featuring those characters. It featured pretty much everybody of import from the comics and a few Wii fans thought we'd never see outside of them. It developed its own internal consistency that was arguably greater than anything the comics have ever managed and it managed to keep its tone dark and serious while still leaving room for fun and laughs. One character, however, was created specifically for the animated series and then grew to develop a life all her own. 
Harley Quinn. First appearing in the animated episode Joker's Favor, Harley was originally envisioned as nothing more than a one-time cameo, a gangster's mole for the Joker, but writer Paul Dini became captivated with her, bringing her back for further appearances. The look of Harley Quinn, clad as she is in a black and red court jester's outfit, was inspired by a dream sequence from the soap opera Days of Our Lives, featuring actress Arlene Sorkin. Not only did Deanie use Sorkin for the visual interpretation of Harley, but as the vocal inspiration as well, offering Sorkin the opportunity to voice the character on the show. Harley became one of the breakout characters on Batman the Animated Series, in part due to Deanie's excellent writing, Bruce Timm's design, and Sorkin's vocal performance. It's a testament to all three that Harley, despite only appearing in 15 episodes out of the 109 shows produced, is so memorable. Harley's a fascinating character on a psychological level. Whilst I can't pretend to understand everything going on in the writer's mind, Harley's appeal, especially to young women, was remarkable given her troubled and abusive relationship with the Joker. At first depicted as a doormat for the Joker's mind games, the relationship between the Joker and Harley was pretty textbook in showing how men can manipulate a woman of low self-esteem into believing they are worthless and useless and can't survive without the other. That so many fans still think Harley belongs with the Joker baffles me. As the show developed, though, Deanie, Tim and Sorkin made Harley more self-sufficient and sympathetic. She developed a strong relationship with Poison Ivy, portrayed on the show with depth and complexity. And Ivy, disgusted by how the Joker treated Harley, allowed Harley to develop into herself. Over the course of the series, Harley was depicted as depraved and a tad broken, but also a strong, independent figure, capable of standing on her own and as a feminist icon. DC Comics quickly realised Harley's appeal, and she made her comic book debut in The Batman Adventures, issue 12, cover dated September 1993. As with the TV show, this comic was one of the best Batman titles ever released. Writer Kelly Puckett told excellent stories, normally in one issue, and Mike Parabek ably aped the style and look of the TV show, while still retaining his own clean lines and crisp, clear artwork. This issue has the title crossed out and Man is replaced by Girl and features Batgirl trapped between Harley Shooter and Poison Ivy's Harpoon. What do you think of that cover? Yeah, it's good. Is that it? Is that all you got? Yeah. There's not really a lot to it to be fair to there's, you. There's, not. there's the figure work, there's no backgrounds, there's Harley and Ivy and Batgirl. Yeah. And that's it. Mm. Lovely depiction of Batgirl though. Mm. There's very little to it in terms of what's actually there in lines on the page, but gorgeous nevertheless. What do you think of that as an art boy? Yeah. It's, Is that it's, too simple for you? No, it's good. It's, I think it's, it's great. Kind of, it's the, the cutesy look, which is now associated with more children comics, though, isn't it? Well, to be fair, the Batman Adventures was aimed at a slightly younger audience, but the stories never really reflected that in terms of depth and complexity. They were just streamlined. Yeah. And they just weren't told over 17 issues. They did them all in one. Mm. So, uh, The story was called Batgirl Day One. Apparently, this issue 12, which I have here, it's an actual real comic, is worth lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money. Like, I've seen it in between 300 and 1,000 of your now useless Brexit pounds. That That is a lot of money. Hmm? Since it was 50p a couple of weeks ago. And we'll be we'll be fifty p in a couple of weeks. You reckon? You reckon it'll? I don't think this one will plummet. Okay, not fifty p, but one this thing. one hasn't gone up in price because of the Suicide Squad movie. Right. This one has gone up in price because it is the first comic book appearance of Harley Quinn. 
Right. Okay. And those tend to retain their value. This will always be the, the first, first appearance argument. of a character that is. I mean, whether it will le- le- reach, whether it will reach Wolverine heights right. of maintaining that that level like mm. Hulk one eight one does, I don't know. You can't really make that call. But nineteen ninety three is now 20-odd years ago, and yeah. it's still retaining its price. Although, to be fair, again, it is only recently I've noticed this one selling for a ton of money. Right. I don't recall, like you said, all the Batman Adventures books were in the 50p events mm. not too long ago. So why? Maybe it is the Suicide Squad movie. I mean, the the latest issue of Suicide Squad, the Rebirth stuff mm. by by Jim Lee. Yeah. From from what I've noticed, that is apparently also going for mega books. So Suicide Squad number one you know, the, from the eighty seven, the three ninety nine book that was released last week is already at stupid prices. Yeah. Well, Suicide. I picked up every single issue of Suicide Squad, mm. apart from the four I don't have. Right. In the fifty p bins, mm. and number one is now retailing for around forty pound. I have thought of selling it, just purely mercenary. And, and, then, just, and then wait until next year when you can pick it back up again. Oh, I'll just go and buy the trade paperback with the first issue in it, because the first issue's got the Secret Origins issue in, which I don't have. Right. Which will probably also be stupid money. Yeah. So figure, sell that for 40 quid, go and buy the trade for 15. With that 40 quid. Yeah, pocket the rest. Yeah. That was that was the idea, but I'll just put the whole lot on eBay for a certain price. Mm. And so, yeah, number one's in here as well. Oh, yeah, and, <laughs> and the one with Oracle in, that's, that's worth summer i think although it's only worth what people are willing to pay that's true which is what we've always talked about anyway batgirl day one as i've already said by kelly bucket kelly bucket kelly pocket mike parabek and rick burchett who was the inca with batman out of town his biggest fan and daughter of commissioner gordon barbara uses her admiration to fuel her fancy dress fantasies Donning a female version of the Batman costume, Barbara attends her party at Moulton Towers. However, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy are also in attendance with a plot to snatch Sandy Vanokua and hold her to ransom. Ivy for her father's misdeeds in treating the environment, and Harley for the money. Batgirl, as Barbara names herself, foils the kidnapping plan more by luck than judgement, but Batgirl, Harley and Ivy are then foiled themselves by the Catwoman, who isn't interested in anything as trivial as money. She wants the Sir Diamond. Thanks to her already replacing the guards with her own men, Catwoman makes a clean break only to be foiled by a quick-thinking Batgirl who snatches the diamond and points out that with the police already here, Catwoman can choose to fight or flee. Catwoman chooses flight. Commissioner Gordon arrives to wrap it all up and Barbara bins her costume, saying that it didn't fit anyway. Oh, what a sweet little issue. Mm. Or do you disagree? No, no, it's fine. fine. Uh, Worth noting. Yeah. (laughs) It really is episode one again, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, It's worth noting this was presumably written before Barbara made her an appearance on the TV show, because this actually has her give up being Batgirl Mm. before she even starts being Batgirl. What episode did... Was it Shadow of the Bat? She first made her appearance in the show. Memory serves. I don't remember, to be honest. It's not contradicted by the show, Mm. to be fair, but it doesn't exactly fit either. Batman makes his one and only appearance on the splash page. Yeah. He's not in the rest of this comic. He's gone to Mount Rushmore to fight this guy. I do like that... um, it's the splash, so if you flick the comic, you look at the comic, they go, oh, Batman, close this. Yeah. And then you take home and give it to your kid, and your kid gets a Batgirl comic instead. And your kid loves it, and spends the rest of his life, or her life, being a Batgirl fan. 
Okay. I don't know. Just just because of this splash page, they've funny. committed their lives yeah, to it. I think that's excellent. First comic I ever had had Batgirl in it, not Batman. Mm. I think. Do, do you think they feel cheated when that happens? What when there's a character on a splash page who's not in the rest? No, when I've picked up a comic called Batman and Batman's not in it. It's it's called Batgirl. That is actually very true. Yeah, they they have crossed out man and replaced it's, it with girl. It's, it's the Batgirl advert. <laughs> You're j- <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, they, they've covered themselves there, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. They can clearly say, well, we... And we she crazy. is, like, front and centre on the cover. And she is front and centre on the cover. That's, that's very true. Little inconsistency. Harley wears a black domino mask in the show and on the cover. Throughout the issue, however, we find that she wears a red one. Mm. Do you know, that really bugged me throughout the whole issue. Yeah. Because I was looking at it going, what's wrong with, with Harley? And I couldn't put my finger on it until I closed the comic, having read it, and looked at the cover and went, oh yeah, it's the Domino Mask. It's, it's very minor, but it's, yeah. it's wrong. Yeah, it's like if you coloured Robin's cape green instead of blue, instead of yellow, sorry. Okay. And you'd go through the entire issue going, something's off here, mm. wouldn't you? So yeah. that's it. I mean, it doesn't... I was going to say it doesn't distract, distract but it but did it a little bit, didn't it? Because yeah. yeah. all the way through, it was bugging me. Something off here. All right, fair enough. Um, the thing this series was so good at, which Puckett is able to do so much with so little. There's never a lot of dialogue in these things. Mm. They fur rattle along as, as reading pieces. But it's the dialogue that is there is straight to the point. And he managed to describe exactly why Batman's life is so difficult and Commissioner Gordon doesn't think people should envy him in two panels. Yeah. I love that bit. All it takes is one mistake, one lucky shot, and it's over. I admire Batman for what he does, but I don't envy him. Mm. I thought that was, a, that was a great summation of what Gordon thinks of Batman. And he's got he's, he's still he's still got a, a bit of muscle on him here. He's not skinny like he is in the last series, yeah. where he lost a lot of weight because they told him he had uh, cancer. Or was that in the comics? I think that was in the comics. Yeah, where he had to stop smoking. Yeah. Did they do that in the series? No, they didn't, but he lost a lot of weight in between series, didn't they? Right. They when made they him redesign. Yeah, them. when they redesigned him, they made him look a lot older, which I didn't really like. Right. I kind of always think Gordon should be robust. Mm. He should look like a guy who could knock you on your ass. Well, that's just my thinking, anyway. Is Moulton Towers a reference to William Moulton Marston? I don't know. I don't either. I'm just asking the question. All right, okay. And you've not got an answer? No. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, Harley... Asking, are you Batman squeeze, mm. is interesting after the Killing Joke. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. Killing Joke movie especially. Yeah. Um, Harley tupping Batgirl and giving them both a headache. That was funny. When they both headbutt each yeah, other. Well, she, yeah, because she's like, oh, I don't think I did that right. And I love the comedy value of Batgirl's got stars and planets around her head. And Carly Quinn's got little birdies mm. going tweet, 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 tweet. Come on, a comment that made me laugh. Yeah. Specifically, a Batman comment that made me laugh. I thought, I thought that was genius. Um, issue proceeds quite nicely until we get to the Catwoman twist. Um, I did have a question. When we open our eyes and see that it's Catwoman who's got them, lovely transition panel, very like Captain Vertigo. Yeah. Captain Vertigo, Count Vertigo, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Where Batgirl falls through space. All of the, the women, Batgirl, Ivy, Harley Quinn, and the girl that the kidnapping are strapped to tables. Did she just have those tables lying around? Yeah, why not? And the ropes? Just there? Maybe there were tables in the building and she needed a rope for the job. A lot of rope? A lot of rope, yeah. Or maybe just Catwoman carries a lot of rope with her. 
That's, yeah. In case, you know, she meets... Batman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. Um, my favourite of this... Catwoman's got um, henchmen who she's seeded as security guards through the building. So everyone who's there this night is working for Catwoman. Yeah. One of them hits on her. Mm. <laughs> so uh, are you doing anything after the robbery? And Catwoman's like, what? <laughs> with, with the what now? That genuine, again, two moments of this made me laugh mm. out loud. Genuine guffaws, particularly that one. Which I thought was was really good. Um, I really enjoyed this. I th- this was frequently one of my favourite comics of the nineties. The very antithesis to what Image was churning out, mm. but I wasn't really reading a lot of Image, uh, and a fine companion piece to the series. Um, essentially dealing with the theme of Batman's life actually being dangerous rather than a, a fun-filled frolicsome adventure, this issue manages to capture Barbara Gordon's terror and delight that she manages to hold her own against three of the bat's deadliest nemesises. You never get that, though. There's never that sense of a threat. Because it is, it is just a, a fun issue in which Batgirl's very lucky and good throughout that's, all of it. That's the thing with the issue. I did get that she thought it was a bit more dangerous than she thought it would be, which is why she bins the costume at the end. Yeah. Gordon's point at the beginning of the issue, that, you know, one lucky shot and Batman's gone, mm. is what pays into the end of the issue, which is set up and pay off, which we've discussed before, yeah. is, is good comics writing. So I, that's why she throws the costume away. She knows that she just got inordinately lucky. Quit while she's ahead. Yeah, in this issue. That she survived not only Catwoman, mm. but Ivy and Harley Quinn... Yeah. And it's very much a case of, yeah, I think I'm getting out of Dodge. Mm. Which shows that she's incredibly smart. Of course, if we follow the TV show, she'll she'll don the costume again. Yeah, which is a shame. I liked it. I thought it provided a solid lesson for Barbara. I don't know what the lead time on the comic was versus the lead time of the show. Because the show, obviously, doesn't it take something like four to six months to actually animate an episode? Right. So they'll have been working on any number of episodes at once, which is why different companies animated it. Mm. So the producers will have known what episodes they've got in the pipeline long before we actually saw them. So whether or not they communicated that to the writers of this book and Kelly Puckett knew Batgirl was coming, I don't know. Because if we actually have a look on the letters page for this, they they are listing the episodes. And they go as far as Day of the Samurai, which... um, I don't know, is that about a third of the way through the original 65 episodes? Two-thirds of the way through? I don't know, to be honest with you. So whether or not they knew a Batgirl story was coming up, because Paul Dini did end up writing some issues of this. Yeah. So there was obviously some communication between the two of them. Uh, What did you think of it? I enjoyed it. But that's as far as it goes. Pretty much, yeah. There wasn't anything that stood out for me, I just enjoyed it. Well, that was pretty much the Batman adventures. It was just... It didn't stand out, it was just... The... It was just a solid... Well, there's a couple of issues that stood out. Yeah. But it was one of those that... Remember, what, 1993, were in the middle of Nightfall, mm. which we followed up with Night's End, which we followed up with Prodigal, which we followed up with Troika, and then we had a bit of time off, and then we followed that up with Contagion and Legacy and Cataclysm and No Man's Land. And yeah. To actually have a Batman book on the stands that you could read one comic... One issue every month and go, all right, okay, fair enough. Mm. Okay. But I, I love the Batman Adventures. I don't think it gets its due. And uh, as a kid, you read a lot of that. Did I? And Superman Adventures as well. You read those. 
I've got a picture of you on the floor reading one of them. Okay. Or is it the Superman Adventures? I don't know. It's one of them. You're reading one of those comics. Anyway. Um, all right, okay, so we'll we'll move on, seeing as you had nothing of import to say about Batgirl Adventures. I, I guess, it's just it, nothing stood out. <laughs> was that one of them that, yeah, I read it, it was okay, I never thought about it again. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Something like there's Suicide not, Squad. There's, not, there's nothing bad about it, I'm not saying that, it's just, hmm. yeah. Fair enough. Harley's origins were considered too daring for TV, especially on Fox, where the animated series originally aired. The network that aired Married with Children. Considered Harley's origins to be too daring. Go figure. It came as a surprise, therefore, that the main creative forces behind Harley would choose to tell this story in a one-shot comic book called Mad Love. Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, who were fans of the comic book series based on the series, contributed to it whenever time allowed. There was a certain level of crossover between the two, as the comic was allowed to tell stories only alluded to on the show, and stories originally told in comics form were adapted back into the series as censorship levels were relaxed. I think they ended up adapting three of the comics for the show. This uh, one, the Christmas special. Yeah. Remember that one? That's mm. an, that's adapted for the show Holiday Nights. Isn't there another one? I don't know. I don't. I can't remember. I'm sure there's another one, but I can't remember what it is. The Eisner award-winning Mad Love was published in two formats, a 64-page bookshelf format and a regular comic, both of which now sell for silly money. So once again, we're covering a comic, and there it is, lovely listener, the real comic, on this show that could probably put you through a year's worth of college. Well, maybe not that much, Mm. but it's certainly selling for 50-odd, 60 quid or something. Which is quite funny, since you can pick it up in hardback. For for 15. Yeah. Yeah, so... Well, people want the original issue. Collectors want the original, don't they? Mm. Which is, you know, how collecting works, I suppose. Um, I bought the cheaper one. Now, I know what you're thinking, and you're right. Gee, that's a surprise. <laughs> but in this particular instance, I bought the cheaper one because I preferred the cover. Right. I preferred that cover to the one that was was on the, the bookshelf edition. On this one, Harley takes centre stage with hearts leaping around her. The Joker appears on the left, leaping off a playing card, whilst Batman leaps in from the right out of the bat signal. I think... That's pretty iconic for Harley. She don't look any better than that in the film. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, it's good. It's a Bruce Tim cover. You can tell by Harley's figure. Darwin Cook very influenced by Bruce Tim, isn't he? Yeah, the Although, same kind of school. Really. Yeah, well, Bra- da- Darwin Cook worked on the animated series. He worked on Batman Beyond, didn't he? Yeah. Did the opening credits with the freaky dancing in the hands. Mm. I don't know why I moved my hands to the microphone. <laughs> like the listener can. Because you can hear the hand. <laughs> can you hear my hand? <laughs> That's the Batman Beyond thing. Is it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> In my head. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, Mad Love, written and drawn by Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, and dedicated to Marta and Arlene from Bruce and Paul. Who is Marta? I mean, Arlene's obviously Arlene Sorkin. Mm. I don't know who Marta is. After the Joker's latest plot to kill Commissioner Gordon fails, thanks to the Batman, the clown Prince of Crime digs through his old plans to try and humiliate and kill Batman finally and forever. Harley is more interested in getting amorous, and the Joker's ignoring of her brings her to the conclusion that she needs to eliminate Batman so she can get some quality time with her pudding. She decides to use one of the Joker's rejected plots, the Death of a Thousand Smiles, which the Joker rejected as it uses piranhas, which are permanently scowling rather than smiling. Harley hits upon the idea of luring Batman into a piranha tank upside down and sets about luring the Batman into her trap. 
As she does, she remembers her first meeting with the Joker when she was Dr. Harleen Quinzel, pop psychologist and a student who felt sleeping her way to an A grade was a perfectly reasonable alternative to studying. The Joker pounces, manipulating Harleen and making her feel sympathy for her patient, a situation that comes to a head when the Batman brings the Joker back after another escape through Arkham Asylum's revolving doors. Harleen snaps, renames herself Harley Quinn and joins the Joker in depravity. Back in the present, the Batman is familiarising himself with Harley's backstory just as she contacts Gotham City PD telling them that the Joker has finally snapped. This latest defeat has pushed him over the edge and he's taking Gotham with him. Harley promises to help but wants protection. Batman agrees, but it's a ruse, and Harley springs the death of a thousand faces trap, catching Batman and very nearly defeating him, until the Batman uses psychology on her, irony, to get her to call the Joker to tell him what she's done. The Joker's male ego can't handle this, and he rushes over to free the Batman, but the Batman defeats the Joker by taking great joy in telling him that Harley came closer to killing him than the Joker ever did. The fight spills over onto a train, and the Joker is lost down a chimney stack. Harley wakes up in hospital, a rose from Mr. J by her bedside. I love this one. Not going to bury the lead. Do you not love this one? No. No, no, you don't love this one? No, no, you do love this one. I I, I do like it. Fair enough. Um, The opening with the Joker about to lobotomise Commissioner Gordon is already a tad darker than the show normally goes. Although the show got away with some seriously dark elements. In in order to not be dark. Mm. Yeah, that's... The joke and not killing people. Ended up being darker. Which was, yeah. Then, uh, which is one of the best things about the, the, the hardback book you have. Batman Animated, yeah, which yeah. is on the shelf somewhere. Where they have a list and Bruce Tim did a drawing of everything they weren't allowed to do in the cartoon. And ultimately they got away with most of it. Yeah, by by doing it a different way. That's everything they were told not to do. They ended up making worse. Yes. Well, they've talked about that, haven't they? The death of Robin's parents. Mm. They weren't allowed to show death on screen. So what they did to get around that was they had the trapeze swing out of frame. Right. Then you saw the shadows falling of the two, and mm. then the trapeze swung back into flame with nobody on it. Right. And all of them ultimately ended up agreeing that was actually darker and more chilling than if they'd shown them fall and die. Yeah. Because your imagination fills in the rest. So a lot of times they have said that the censorship rules actually made the show better. Would that they had listened to that for the sex scene in Killing Joe. Because <laughs> not really needed, was it? But I said Brian, Brian Hazzarello is, God, is yeah. a, an excellent, mature writer. Yes, he is. Um, and, and he's neither of those things. Um, <laughs> this, end, this opening, though, is in the cartoon adaptation of this. Yeah. Pretty much as it is here. Mm. It's the lighting and the angles that make it scurrier in the comic, isn't it? And the fact that you're lingering on panels. Mm. But Harley's skirt is just as short in the TV adaptation, yeah. which I watched just the other day. His alias is different as well. Here he's Dr. Laffo. Okay. In the cartoon, he's Dr. Anagram of Joker, Dr. J. Urko or something. Right. You know, okay. something. so it's an anagram of Joker, so they changed that to make it a little bit more obvious. I don't know why. This this scene as well was redone in a recent Jimmy Palmiotti one, though, wasn't it? Was it? So, I don't know. Yeah, I think I remember seeing it. It was uh, a, it was a bleeding cool swipe file thing. All right, okay. I don't know because I don't 
pay much attention to Bleeding Cool. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't really read much of the new Harley Quinn comic. There's a couple they've given away free on Comixology mm. that I thought were alright. I think issue one was given away free, and then the Comic Con special. Yeah. And then a Halloween special. All of these have been given away free, and I enjoyed them. Issue zero was my favourite, and then the rest were just... Which was issue zero? The one where it's every artist. Oh, right. an artist on every page. Yeah, okay. I remember that. Um, This was a little bit more daring than the show would get in its depiction of Harley. Um, I have seen some people complain that the movie is sexualising her. Right. And I can only say to those people, are you sure you've read some comic books? Because she's exceptionally sexualized in this. See, I think there's a difference between this mm. and then digitally altering her shorts to make them shorter and just having her in the rain for the sake of it. All right, okay. Well, I suppose we could argue that, well, yeah, so a t-shirt clings to her. Yeah, in this, know. she's dressed the way she is to impress the Joker. And also as a girl who herself enjoys sex and her own sexuality. Yes. Alright, you're right. I so take this that back. is context. Yes. Yeah. It's a sexualised account of a, of a liberated sexual woman. It's sexualization, not objectification. There you go. So yeah, alright, fair enough. That negligee does not leave a lot to the imagination though. It does not. So. And I like how she keeps the, the, the mask and the little the hat mask. and the makeup on. <laughs> yeah, it's like... It is the Joker into Kinky. Well, of course he is. <laughs> he's or, or yeah. he's not. Maybe he's, get from this. he's not. He's not. Maybe he's not interested. I love. Um, do you want to rev up your Harley? Mm. That is naughty. <laughs> that is an exceptionally naughty yeah, line. I, I like the way she's drawn though. Yeah, but that's what sells it's, it. It's the cute delivery of yeah. the line. Want to rev up your Harley? And that line gets into the TV adaptation. Mm. That line's in the TV show, which I was shocked that they got away with. Yeah, the animated series had a lot of adult stuff in it, didn't it? Yes. But it's, yes, it's it how do you write that so that the kids don't get it, but the adults Well, do, do you want to rev up your Harley? She's talking about rev up a motorbike. Yes. The kids don't get that that is, do you want to rev up your Harley? Yeah. Vroom, vroom! They don't, the kids don't get what she's talking about. Mm. Whereas we're watching it going, holy shit! Mm. <laughs> How did they get away with that? So, alright, fair enough. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it, it does the job. The, um, the opening, to go back to the opening, the dentist thing, that's a lot rougher in the comic than it is on the TV show. Right. Batman looks like he's had a rough day. And there's a scene here. Before we get to the rev up your Harley scene, this is excised completely from the comic, from the TV adaptation, mm. where it's it's suggested that um, Harley Quinn's as crazy as the Joker. A playful exterior hides an obsessive and dangerous mind. But even from the beginning, Harley was no angel. So she was a gymnastics. She won a gymnastics scholarship, which explains why she's so agile and all of that stuff. Yeah. But to get a degree for psychology, she quite obviously. Persuaded. Persuades the teacher to give her a via sexual favours. Yeah. That was considered a little bit too much for the TV adaptation. Right. So they've they've excised that. Mm. But it shows... It is an editable scene. Yeah. I mean, it shows that backstory, but it's unnecessary. Yeah, because it it really is the pop psychologist bit that sells it. And all of that's in the show, Mm. as well as as in this. Harlan Quinzel is just a great name. Right, yeah. I do not love that name. Mm. I love that Harleen Quinzel. I think Kevin Smith should have called his daughter Harleen Quinzel Smith, not Harley Quinn Smith. Yeah. I think that would have been yeah, funny. Be a little more subtle. Yeah. Because Kevin Smith is subtle. It, 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just realised what I said. <laughs> uh, there's no denying, though, that just based purely on this comic, and you don't have to base it purely on this comic, you can base it on the entire history of the animated series, but Harley's in an abusive relationship with a master manipulator. How the Joker goes about wooing Harley when she's his doctor shows how he manages to get to her by telling her exactly what she wants to hear. Mm. So he's able to target her personality and target what he says to her personality. Who's the who's the psychologist here? Yeah. He's, he's really good at it. There's a case to be made that Joker's a much better psychologist than Harley. Mm. Because, you know, this, you know... He, he pinpoints exactly her personality traits and how to bring it down. But would he have been that good at manipulating her? Was she not? Was she not easily manipulated? To begin with, yeah. Well, isn't that the whole point of an abusive relationship? Mm. That the, they target people who are particularly susceptible to their brand of manipulation. Yeah. Right. Okay. I did the, my favorite bit about this in in the TV show is when she walks past the Joker here for the first time and sees him in his cell and he's whistling. Mm. In the TV show, he's whistling. Which did make me laugh. Yeah. Because I thought he's whistling his own theme. Fourth wall, funny. Meta. Clever. Well, I thought it was clever anyway. Masterful storytelling. Harley snaps when the Batman brings back a bloody and beaten Joker which is told purely in the visuals yeah. for the next two pages, isn't it? Mm. This is essentially Harley's origin, these two, two and a half pages, where you start with a full-page splash of Batman bringing the Joker in, far more bloody and beaten than he is in the TV show. He's allowed one trickle of blood in the TV show. Right. Whereas here he's got a black eye, he's, got, he's lost a tooth. Batman's in not good shape, mm. whereas in the TV show he's not depicted as having anything wrong with him. So they tone down the violence a little bit. And then you get three pages of 27 panels, which is magnificent, mm. culminating in another splash page of Harley in a costume for the very first time. And that's the origin of Harley there in those two pages. Yeah. And I, it's brilliantly done. And all of that is done in, in the animated show. But you can get away with it a bit better in the animated show because everything's moving. Mm. Whereas here it's just done purely in the art. It's a nine panel grid, so similar. Yeah. And then you get the, the splash page of uh, knock, knock, pudding. Mm. I can't do Harley Quinn. <laughs> okay. I, I like the, the build up of the Joker's laugh as well on the next page. Mm. Where he laughs slowly over a number of panels as Harley breaks him out mm. in another nine panel grid. Yeah, and they so, drive off into the sunset. Yeah. So in Harley's head, this is where it ends. That was a missed opportunity in Suicide Squad. One, yeah. that they actually have the Joker love her. Yes. And because then, it's not a relationship. Harley loves the Joker. Yeah. Full stop. Whereas the Joker manipulates Harley to get what he wants. Whereas that was a missed opportunity. But there's a bit in the film, spoilers for Suicide Squad coming up, there's a bit in the film where Harley has that moment where they all have a fantasy of what they yeah, want, yeah, don't yeah. they, from the Enchantress. And Harley has this scene. Yeah, but it's weird because it's not Harley and the Joker. Yeah. It's just two people. That's what I'm saying. It's a missed opportunity. It's Margot Robbie as Margot Robbie, not with any Harley Quinn makeup. Um, Jared, Jared Leto. Leto as Jared Leto without any Joker makeup. They're still wearing a purple suit. Right. Which I thought was a nice touch. But having a normal life, being married with kids. Whereas here in the comic, 
the kids have the man has the boy has a Joker face. The kid has Harley Quinn mask on. Yeah. Batman's heads on the wall. The, You've the got toy the, Batmobiles. On the fire. toy Batmobiles on fire. Robin's on fire. Yeah. There's decapitated Barbie dolls everywhere. Batman's as I said as Batman's heads on the wall, and the two rabbits from Animaniacs. Right. Okay. Are hung in nooses in silhouettes. You don't actually see who they are. That should have been in Suicide Squad. Could the case there be made that Harley's in love with the Joker? Yeah. Whereas in the she film, doesn't care about Jared Leto. Yeah. Whereas in the film it was misunderstood somewhat. Yeah. She doesn't know his real name and doesn't care. Yeah. She's in love with the Joker. The the film got it wrong. Kel surprise. Well, yeah. But how how funny would that have been to see that page, page thirty six, come to life? Well, that's that's your first thing there. It's it would have been funny. And they were aiming well, for funny. Well, they were aiming for funny, because a lot of what Harley does is funny. I, yeah, She's was, funnier than the Joker. It was that fantasy thing. Where, yeah. Yeah, it was a bit off the mark a bit, but they didn't want to be funny with it. Which is a shame, because I think that would have been a real gut buster. Yeah. To actually have that panel replicated on screen. But that's the difference with this, is this it's paid off for laughs in an otherwise mature comic. Yeah. Whereas it would offset the tone in the film. It just wasn't the film for that to work in. But I still think it would have been good, though. Mm. Still, I would have loved to have said that. But anyway, yeah, you're probably right. The best thing about this is Harley almost pulls this off. Yeah. Doesn't she? Arguably better than the Joker. Yeah, she, she fools Batman. I don't know where she got a Joker robot from. Well, he'll have programmed for it to show up just in time. Well, I, my interpretation of that was that maybe she had that on some kind of remote control signal or whatever, because it's not a Joker robot. It is just um, a dummy with the gunfires. Right. I, I didn't get that it was a robot per se. It doesn't move yeah, 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 yeah. at any point. So I, I could buy that, mm. I suppose. Especially seen as it's at, it's only there as a distraction technique, isn't yeah. it? To bring it back to Scroobius Pep. <laughs> Thank you. Come on! Hmm? Knock him up. Set him down. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> we can't even get that right. <laughs> so, I, I, I did like that she traps him on her own. He plays... She, without the Joker... Yeah, she's Harley Quinn's a competent, lot more competent. yeah. And confident. Which is, is the, really... The relationship thing was it's the Joker who's dragging her down. Yeah. And then Batman plays off Harley's insecurities mm. by manipulating her by use of psychology. Yeah. By getting her to call the Joker, by making her undermine herself. Mm. So here, Batman exploits her weaknesses. Yeah. Similar to the Similar Joker. to what the Joker does. This is... The upside written. down piranhas is genius, though. Yeah, and I love that. The, 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 I hang you upside down. That way it looks like you're there smiling. Pretty clever, huh? And Batman's reaction. Brilliant. Mm. It's just so deadpan. In the, the episode, Kevin Conroy's delivery of that is magnificent. Yeah. Especially Arlene Sorkin's reaction to his reaction. I can tell you're not thrilled. Mm. That was absolutely fantastic. And then... You once I've got rid of you, she tells Batman we can live a life, and Batman laughs. Yeah, and I love that bit where she it says, "Yeah, you're you're creepy when you laugh," mm. which is another just Kevin Conroy was great at that in the show, but it's another example of how these people just nailed Batman's personality. Yeah, that he's he's creepier when he smiles. Yeah, and if Batman smiles at you, you're really in trouble. <laughs> like which, the Alex Ross painting. Yes, even though it's a bit. Yeah. So I really did like that. I like that. And then he, he manipulates her 
by saying, well, which story did he tell you? He's got a million of them. Yeah. And I can't help but think Batman's just as cruel to Harley in his own way here as the Joker is. Yes. Granted, he's doing it for the greater good. There are parallels between but, yeah. the Joker and Batman. I love that. That's good writing. Mm. There's clear parallels between Batman and the Joker. Questionable heroism. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, the Joker... The, the, this bit here is brilliant. This isn't in the TV adaptation. You've got the the prime motivator here that the Harley's got Batman and the Joker is embarrassed that his girlfriend has caught him and he's not. Yeah. And his prime motivator that you got, he never thought he was funny. And the one that really gets him is the Riddler calling him Mr. Harley Quinn. Yeah. And I only wonder, was that not in the episode because they couldn't get those actors to come in just to do one line? I don't know. But um, it's a brilliant well, bit. Again, it's not necessary, is it? No, it's not. Because you can play that the motivation is that she's beaten him and in, that he never did. It but there's also yeah, but also here this idea that he's gonna be a, he's gonna be mortified when the other rogues learned that Harley did this what he couldn't yeah, and that's damaging his male ego, mm. which is what he's all about. It's un- she's undercut his ego. It's brilliant. I love this. I love this comic. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Getting to the end, Batman's casually takes down the Joker. After the Joker frees him. I still don't really get how Harley survived that fall. Because it's at least five stories when the Joker kicks her out the window. Yeah, with this ending it's kind of like they're going for... At the end they're going for the seriousness of how a a relationship like this would have... Yeah. Or could to an exaggerated Mm -hmm. effect have have damaged her. But then the ending is played somewhat comically. Hmm. So it's, there's an interesting interesting comparison there, but that's a lot darker in the comic than it is in the show. In the show, we follow her all the way down. Yeah. And we see that she lands on like a cushion of boxes or something, even though she's still hurt. Here, there's blood all over the place. And the reaction And well. yeah, Montoya's reaction, she doesn't think Harley's surviving this. Mm. And it's, that's quite brutal. And the Joker lets him go and then changes his mind. Batman's takedown of him is genuinely impressive. I love that line. Arms and legs chained. My belt gone. Dizzy from the blood rushing to my head. I had no other way out other than convincing her to call you. I knew your massive ego would never allow anyone else the honor of killing me. Though I admit, she came a lot closer than you ever did. Puddin. That, it's the puddin yeah. that sells it. When he's, he uses her own words against that him. Like the Joker's reaction, yeah. Though, and the panel where he's, it's just he's just seeing red. Yeah, and the, he goes in, and it is one of those things in hand-to-hand combat. There's not really much of a competition. Mm. Batman's going to take him down, but this is a really ferocious, annoyed Joker. This is essentially what the Joker of Suicide Squad was through the entire film: the murderous psychopath as opposed to the funny guy. And it's Batman who's pushed him over the edge. What does that say? Yeah. Ultimately, Batman's the one that makes the Joker a murderous psychopath. Yes. Well, again, the parallels yeah. between the two. I just can't say enough good things about this comic book. Um, I think this is absolutely stunning. Yeah. Absolutely love it. I love that the end of it is the Joker supposedly dying. Mm. Because that's a comic book staple. That They, they did a really good... That Suicide Squad should have left it with the Joker presumed dead. 
They shouldn't okay. have showed him alive at the end. Or if they were any good at writing, they would have had the Joker jump out of the helicopter. Yeah, and, and Harley could be presumed dead. Yeah, that would have worked as well. And Harley almost makes a recovery until the Joker sends her a rose. Yeah. And you know that she's not leaving him and walking away. There's a level of depth and complexity to this, whilst it still looks like an episode of the show, mm. because Bruce Tim drew it. I heard the actors when I read it, and when they adapted this to be an episode, which I watched again last week, they pretty much just use this comic as a storyboard. Yeah. For the, the issue. There's a few things trimmed, but for the most part, it's a pretty damn faithful adaptation, mm. I think. What did you think? I've, I've no idea why this isn't the template. But for Harley and the Joker? Yeah. This everything still, you need's in here. Well, this is still remembered. Yeah. And, and, still in print. And acclaimed and, and remembered and loved by fans. Yeah. And so I've no idea how... A f- a, you know, a film starring them as the main characters mm. got it completely wrong. We could say something pithy there, but I'm I'm kind of bored of flogging yeah, that horse. I, I, but I get what you're saying. I'm not. How could you I'm, read I'm not that? Criticizing it for the sake of criticizing yeah. it, but this is. How could you read that and get the relationship so spectacularly wrong? Especially, this is the two people who created the character yeah. telling the character, and then. See, I, a lot of people said it's just a different take, but this could just be me, but there's a difference between different and wrong. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you're now arguing that side because you're the one who argued me down, arguably, with <laughs> Batman Earth 1 Volume 1, that that was a different take on Batman, and what's the point of doing it exactly the same as it always been done? Why not do it differently yeah, to was, justify it? That was different with while still being faithful. Mm-hmm. Where, say, the Suicide Squad characters are different but wrongly different okay in that it's the complete opposite yeah the the relationship in the film does seem to miss the point in of that joker and it's a relationship yeah that's the biggest problem it's not and it's or, not yeah. it's all one way isn't or it shouldn't be anyway. it shouldn't be reciprocated by the joker hmm. whereas the suicide squad movie gives you the impression that the joker loves harley as much as harley loves the joker yeah so all right i don't disagree with you to be fair. Um, but that as a comic. Yes. Well. Yeah, it's good. It's genius. But it's, you kind of expect that, don't you? From Tim and Dina. In that it's crafted not only um, through the writing, but the art as well. Yeah. You don't need writing for most of it. You know, you should teach, they should teach that in your course. Yeah. Especially now the Suicide Squad's busy. Because mm. it, it is available as hardcover, so it's easy for them to get a couple of copies. Yeah, and they should totally teach that as for structure, layout, pacing, how art and story work together. If the course was in any way competent, then <laughs> I agree with you. Hey, if I'd have applied for that job <laughs> teaching it, I'd be using that one. Yeah, I'd be using Madlow. If you've never read it, lovely listener, go and buy it because it's available in hardcover, softcover. It's available all over the place digitally. Yes. Don't try and track down the original issue; it'll cost you too much money. Which I never understood that collector's mindset. Why Says you, you put all your comics in the right order. Yes, but uh, why <laughs> would you spend so much money when you can just buy a much cheaper alternative? It's the collectors. Yeah. It's like I, I used to have this thing of trying to find every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. I've got every issue from 130 onwards. Have you given up on that now? Well, what's the point? Like you say, I've got the two omnibuses on the shelf there. If I'm going to read them, yeah. I'll pull the omnibus off the shelf. Mm. It's, you know, I would never get them out the bag, so why spend so much money on it? Mm. Why spend so much money on inheritance for you? Yeah, why? Why? <laughs> why? Why do that? 
Indeed. Our final book tonight has uh, Harley Quinn making the leap into mainstream comics continuity as part of the year-long Batman crossover No Man's Land. But Paul Dini chose to expand her origin as well as making her more a part of the then-current comics continuity in a bookshelf format square-bound edition simply called Harley Quinn. This was released in October of 1999, just one month after the moon was blasted out of Earth orbit. Sad day. Uh, Evel Guichette provided the art and Alex Ross the cover, which sees the Joker in tux dancing with Harley. The Joker reminds me of Johnny Lee Miller. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't he? Uh, that is replicated in the Suicide Squad movie. It is. Almost perfectly. Mm. And give us a glimpse of what she could have looked like if she'd worn the proper costume. Yeah. Do you think that was more a case if they just didn't want to cover up Margot Robbie's face? I don't know, it could have been. It but, was. Well, why would just take the domino mask off her? It was very Debbie Harry inspired, which yeah. fits the tone of the film. Oh, she could have had the costume on and just made her pigtails red and black instead of red and blue. It was in the film. She just threw it away. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she, was, she looked through it in her possessions, yeah. didn't she? So, yeah, all right, fair enough. Uh, it's an Alex Ross cover, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's Alex Ross. Yeah, it's Iconic. Nice. It has. Yeah. Sold as posters. Yeah, it's the cover of the graphic novel collection of Best of Harley Quinn or something. Yeah. So it, uh, yeah, the fact that it made the film. Yeah. They're going for the iconic imagery, and, and that is, is in the. The story runs thus During No Man's Land, Poison Ivy finds a woman clad in a Harley Quinn outfit. The woman is battered and bruised, and Ivy recognizes her as a doctor from Arkham. It is Harleen Quinzel, and she relates to Ivy how she came to be here. In this telling, Dr. Quinzel fell for the Joker and was instrumental in aiding his escape. When she was found out, she was stripped of her license and committed to Arkham herself. Following the night of the Gotham earthquake, Harleen found herself freed. Upon leaving Arkham, Harleen is delighted to see corpses with a rictus grin, which means Mr. J is alive. She decides to adopt a costume to attract the Joker's attention and tracks him down having problems with the Penguin. Convincing the Joker of her worth, Harleen sets about finding her and the Joker a happy home. She converts the now-destroyed Dockside Amusement Park and all goes moderately well, for a time. However, the Joker quickly tires of Harleen. She finds herself in the rocket ride, which launches her into space. She learns that she can actually control the damn thing and crashes in Gotham Park, which is where our story opened. Ivy inoculates Harley so she won't, you know, die, but it also has a side effect of making Harley quite the acrobat and that much stronger. This is convenient, as Ivy wants Batman as much as Harley wants the Joker, and together they concoct a plan. Harley finds Batman and tells him about a Joker plot to destroy a ship of medical supplies. The Batman naturally doesn't believe Harley, but it's too risky not to at least check it out. As Batman checks out the goons, Harley tackles the Joker and is pleasantly surprised that she is now immune to his Joker gas, thanks to Ivy. The Batman is miffed that Harley lied about all this to get him to tackle the Joker, and Harley tries to kill her puddin'. All is forgiven, though, when the Joker apologises. The amusement park blows up, and Batman watches as the Joker and Harley Quinn ride off together. And that was this one, mm -hmm. which was our introduction to regular Batman continuity. I wonder why it took him so long. Um, is Ivy really making riding a horse made out of leaves? Yes. How how does it move? Does she manipulate the leaves to do what? It, it seems to be a lot more stressful than it should be. Yeah. Why? Why? Does, how does she control it with her mind and that? Yeah. 
And how do leaves have enough strength to do that? Because it doesn't look like there's like trees in it or anything. Yeah. Would it not have been better to just walk? Or have a horse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. Um, can Dr. Arkham really commit Harvey, Harvey, Har- Harley without any kind of due process? No. So she, it's it's displayed, it's displayed, it's described here that the person who is responsible for Arkham having a revolving door regarding the Joker, yeah, is Doctor Harley and Quinzel, which to me takes away a lot of the character. Yeah, that the Joker she's, can get in and she's out. She's not a victim in there. No, she's not. You're absolutely right. This changes her character fundamentally. Yeah, because she's let. So you can argue a case that any deaths that the Joker commits uh, equally her responsibility. Yeah. Certainly a manslaughter charge. But also it's not... She's not a victim to the Joker's manipulations in this. Yeah. She's just aiding him. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll go with that. Also as well, maybe that's how he has her committed. Yeah. Maybe he's arguing, you know, some of this is on her. If she hadn't let him go, those people would still be alive. Mm. So at the very least, manslaughter. Now a decent lawyer would probably argue diminished responsibility. Yeah. Whatever. Well, that could be Blackgate. But I mean, in this, she's she's definitely in Arkham. Yeah, but in, in this, she's she's doing it because she she's in love with the Joker. So does that count as criminally insane? I suppose you could argue that the Joker's manipulated. It depends how good a lawyer is. But that's what I'm saying. None of that. It's basically just said he committed her. Yeah. She should have had a, at least have had a trial. It's like an unofficial punishment. Yeah. She should have at least had a trial, and I'm not saying she wouldn't have been committed for this, because like we say, some yeah. of the deaths that the Joker would cause, having been released by Harley, would be at least partially, partially attributable to her actions. But you could argue that this is borderline kidnapping, yes. to just lock her up. Yeah, but then Dr. Arkham was, was never really that much of a solid citizen in every story I've ever read about him. Yeah. He always comes across a bit of a douchebag himself, doesn't he? Um, Harley... Trying on the costumes on page 8 is funny, but in Mad Love, this was a very deadly serious scene. It was. That is here played for laughs. Yeah. I mean, I do like her with green hair and as a, in a Joker as suit. As Joker. Yeah. Too derivative, is what she says. Mm. I do like that. And, you know, her finding of the, the natural outfit, is, it, it's a funny bit. Yeah. But it, it, it changes Harley's whole story, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And not as an improvement. No. I don't think. Um, the Penguin set himself up in No Man's Land as the guy who can get anything. So the guy in prison who for smokes can get yeah. you. Whatever. You've seen Shawshank Redemption. Um, interestingly, money has no value in No Man's Land. Mm. Which is something all of these post-apocalyptic stories have in common, isn't it? Yeah. That these people who are of wealth and status suddenly think that they, they can buy their position. And you're like, your money's no good here. What can you do? Yeah. Can you? Are you an electrician? Are you a plumber? Can you do anything of value? And they quickly realise, well, I could sell stocks and shares. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. That's kind of why I want post-apocalyptic society to happen in some time. Um So Harley does all that. She sets up the dockside amusement arcade. She goes to a lot of effort, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to ask where she gets balloons from in No Man's Land, particularly purple and green ones. It's also a bit obvious where they're hiding out as well. Yes, a little bit, and the tunnel of love. Like, gee, I wonder, I wonder where. where I wonder Joker's where the Joker is. Possibly these green and purple balloons. Especially seen as one of the main plots of No Man's Land is the Joker disappears. 
Right. And he doesn't show up till the end of No Man's Land. Because throughout the entire story, mm. Batman's like, where the hell's the Joker? He's Why a, is the Joker not struck? He's a presence, not a character. Yes. And it builds up to his final appearance, which drastically changes the course of the story. Right. But yeah, it wouldn't be hard for Batman to find him if there's purple and green balloons everywhere. No. I mean, he presumably abandons this hideout after this because Batman does yeah. find out where he is. So, but, you know. Uh, unusually... As well, something else that's completely different. The sexual tension between the Joker and Harley Quinn in this story is totally different from the animated series of Mad Love. It's gone. Yeah, there isn't any. Yeah. That was the whole driving force between it in in, in the series. It was, are they actually doing it? Mm. Are they actually having sex? And I think Mad Love shows you that they are. Yeah. But the Joker has got more impressive things on his mind and he isn't always down with it. But Harley's there. Yeah. And the, that he's, negligee... He's more focused on Batman than Harley Quinn. Yeah, but he's quite happy to take Harley Quinn mm. and rev up his Harley <laughs> on occasion. You know? Whereas in this... No, there's none. No. The Joker is completely asexual in this story. Well, he's just uninterested in her. Yeah. Because like you said, he's more interested in Batman. But he's more interested in Batman comes across more in Mad Love... Where they do clearly have a sexual relationship, yeah. Than in this, where in this he is just uninterested. Yeah, he just doesn't. He's got no interest in her at all. Mm. She's less than nothing to him here. Whereas in animated series continuity and by extension, Mad Love, he is manipulating her for his own ends, and he uses her love for him to get what he wants, and he will occasionally give her a little bit of sugar, baby, yeah. to keep her sweet. But in this, no, he's he's got nothing. There is nothing in this for Harley. Mm. I don't. I completely don't get why this version of Harley Quinn would be so infatuated with this version of the Joker. Yeah, it just doesn't sell it as well at all, does it? Because the Joker avoids having sex with Harley. He drugs her to avoid having sex with her. Yeah. So he kind of uses. He kind of roofies her for the opposite reason. Because it's high views like he drugged you, huh? Now, I don't know whether she's interpreting that as drugged you, took advantage of you. Yeah. But the narrative of the story makes it clear that he didn't. Mm. So it, it it completely changes Harley's motivations and it completely changes the relationship dynamic between the Joker and Harley Quinn. So two of the great things about her, this story completely changes. Yes. Is it though for Harley Quinn then? Yeah, still Harley Quinn. But a different version of Harley Quinn. Yeah, which right. I don't okay. understand this. So this is the canonical introduction. Yes. Which I never got, because Mad Love's still there. And well, the, Mad Love's an animated series. But the thing with the animated series, it always borrowed and lended into yeah. Yeah. the actual canon. Yeah. And like you said, there's no reason Mad Love couldn't work in regular continuity. Yeah, and but... That was not only was Mad Love better written, better constructed, and better characterized, mm-hmm. and more remembered than this. I'm better at much better. This is pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. But this this is dubbed as important when it's not. It's not bad enough to be bad. It's just not remembered. No, it's not bad because it's a Paul Dini script, and I've never actually read or watched anything by Paul Dini that was bad. Mm. But it betrays everything about the characters that the character that he created. Yeah, and I, I'm only wondering, did he only write this so he could bring Harley into modern day continuity? 
But even then, it's unnecessary and irrelevant. Because Mad Love does, does that. Mm-hmm. The only thing people remember about this comic is the cover. Yeah, that's actually a valid point. Yeah. It's never... Mad Love is regularly picked as one of the best episodes of the animated series. A great Batman comic. It's mm. one of those top ten best Batmans that I ha- I heartily agree with. Yeah. And again, let's let's reiterate here. I don't dislike Dark Knight Returns or Long Halloween or whatever. But I think there's a whole broad spectrum of Batman stories out there that should be disseminated out to a wider audience that are just as good and equally deserving of praise. Yeah. And Mad Love is one I don't have an argument with because as we've just mentioned it's beautifully constructed, beautifully written, the yeah. artwork's magnificent, the way it's told in mm. one 64-page comic is far better than this. And is is that therefore arguing a case that the animated streamlined continuity made it much easier for the creatives to work within the confines of that continuity, as opposed to this, where he's having to stretch and manipulate Harley and the Joker to not only accommodate Harley into regular continuity, but make her fit as if she has always been there. And ultimately, I think that's my problem with it. The Joker doesn't escape from Arkham off his own recognizance because he's smart. Yeah. The Joker has been escaping from Arkham because Harley's been there letting him out. But it doesn't matter mad love it doesn't matter who's letting the joker out true it's it's not harley and that's what matters yeah. with mad love it, so it doesn't and again she can just be in it there doesn't have to be this well it happened in no man's land yeah no, no, man's, I, La- no I, man's land is, is irrelevant in this it's just the it's just the backdrop for how she escapes from arkham the earthquake destroys arkham yeah so she gets out mm. yeah i'm not disagreeing with you it's, that's all it has to, how irrelevant this is, it's not in the No Man's Land treads, I don't think. Right. There you go. I cut all that in post, but I went and had a look right. <laughs> at the library. And yeah, this is not in the No Man's Land treads. Yeah. So that's it's, how irrelevant this is to the No Man's Land story. It's, it's because it thinks it's more important than it actually is. Mm, see, maybe it was important at the time, but they've realised, well, if we have this in, we spoil the Joker reveal at the end of No Man's Land. Yeah. It's better that he's off the page. Mm. So, like I said, unless it's in Road to No Man's Land Volume 2, which I don't have yet. But also, it's not... If it is the canonical introduction of, of Harley Quinn, mm. why is it in its own standalone bookshelf format and not actually in the Batman books? Because they can make more money out of it like this. It's a big deal. This was a big deal at the time. Harley Quinn's coming to the Batman books. Right. Regular continuity. Mm. It was a, it was a, um, a moment... It didn't last long. So like you this say. is this is when the term canon became the big problem it is now. Probably. Well, no, canon's been a problem since Star Trek started. But anyway, right. like you said, it was immediately largely forgotten. Yeah. It's never on... It is in the Harley Quinn trade paperback, but mm. I think that's only because Mad Love has got its own trade paperback. Isn't that backed with Harley and Ivy? Yeah. So, so. so essentially that's all the Bruce Tim Paldini stuff, yeah. isn't it? Whereas this is just a Harley Quinn story. So this is in the other Harley Quinn trade, the best of or whatever. But this isn't the best of Harley Quinn. It's it's so. not. I I do wonder why to get rid of Harley, the Joker traps her in a rocket ship that is a ride and left the controls in. Well, the, the, presumably the steering controls were in. There's nothing you could do about that. But the, my big question was why was there an abandoned dockside um, um, amusement arcade that had a working rocket? Because it was only the best dockside amusement park in Gotham City. With a working rocket. 
which is still functioning despite the dock being shut down. Despite no one's land. Yeah. I mean, maybe the Joker got it working again, but that still begs the question, why is there a working rocket here? Why not? <laughs> it's Batman! In a city where there's blimps flying around all the time. Uh, with not... red skies. Yeah. Can yeah. they not have a working rocket? I kind of think that would be a little bit dangerous. In a, in a city full of living plants and, and living clay. This is where I have my problems. of ice. <laughs> The Fathom Amusement Park has a working rocket is where I draw the line. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Uh, The statue in Gotham Park that she crashes into is General Gorfinkel, presumably a reference to editor Jordan B. Gorfinkel. And uh, how does Ivy's immunisation also enhance strength and agility? Yeah, that just felt a bit... Forced. John Burner. Yes. We have to explain how she's such a good acrobat. And we've, in Mad Love, it was simply she was on an acrobatic scholarship. She was a good acrobat. Yeah, we're in this. It's, you have superpowers now, thanks to my super serum. Yeah. I mean, it did have a nice payoff in that the Joker was like, she's trading blows with Batman and actually doing well. Am I in some kind of wacky Broadway nightmare? <laughs> that was good. Mm. So that But that felt a bit... Yeah, she's got off superpowers. Harley Quinn is only good because of Poison Ivy. Yeah. And it I'm... does set up the friendship between them, I guess. But you know, the TV show did that organically. This, again, is rushing in one 64-page story to establish who Harley is, her relationship to the Joker, her relationship to Ivy, within continuity. That's the phrase. Well, what I don't understand is how, despite the continuity, mm. Mad Love set up everything. Yeah and was well crafted and well paced but does Mad Love have the benefit of following on from the TV episodes that you've already seen it doesn't matter not really because in Joker's Forever she just shows up she's just there yeah it it, it set up everything perfectly in that comic and yeah. this is, isn't this um, doesn't have this more of a page count I don't know is this, that feels... 64 I f- this may only be 48 actually right it doesn't because this feels Ooh, a lot so more anyway. rushed and cramped. Yeah, 48. It's 48 pages. Right. So, yeah. So this is less than that. That was a 64-page special. This is a 48-page special. Right. So Still, this this does feel very... Yeah, it's not paced as well. No. By any stretch of the imagination. Um, Harley summoning Batman's hysterical. Hmm. That was genuinely funny. So she's got her own flashlight thing. And she's just doing funny animal pictures with her hands in front of it yeah <laughs> turn that off and she's like finally that was that was genuinely amusing I like that and I like that there's one funny line from Batman where Harley says um, I'm ditching the Joker because he wants to kill me and Batman says so you've discovered his henchman retirement program yeah that's a funny line it is and the bad guy says you got no sense of humour that was good Hmm. I, I like that. That was that was funny. I like Batman that makes jokes. Yeah. Every now and again, as long as he doesn't have a back credit card, <laughs> everything is fine. Um, and that's pretty much it. And I just this isn't anywhere near as good as Mad Love. No. And the relationship between Harley and the Joker isn't as well defined as in animated continuity. And the character, as you've said, she's not as independent mm. as she is in the animated series. The plot. Is also the wrong side of convenient, and there's a lot of repetition between this and Mad Love. This feels like a bad cover version. It does of Mad Love. There are moments here 
And I do like that there's callbacks to better stories, like Joker's five-way revenge and killing joke. And it's not that it's not totally without merit. There are funny lines, there's moments, as there would you would expect from a, a Paul Dini story. But there's a lightness to the story as well that, that's kind of welcoming the drama that was No Man's Land. But again, maybe that's why they cut it out yeah. of the trade paperbacks. It's not bad, but not nowhere near as effective as animated Harley. And I think that pretty much sums up Harley for me generally. She has never been as good as she is in the animated series mm. and stories based on the animated series. Bringing her into mainstream DC continuity has never really worked. And I think you see why here. I think it would have worked if she was just the... Possibly. Yeah. What did you think? I'm getting the impression you didn't really like that. I, did, I didn't, because I didn't think it was bad enough to be bad. It's, I didn't think it was bad enough to be bad. I was just gonna get Still that. agreeing with you. Um, it's not bad uh, enough to be bad because it isn't bad. Yeah, one of the things with, like... So, say, art, for example. Yes. You want to be either remembered because you were good or remembered because you were bad. Either way, you want to be remembered. Yeah. You know you This failed. is what we said about Batman versus yeah. Superman. You know you it? failed if people just don't remember if it. If people just don't care. It's not bad enough to be bad, but it's not good. It's just... It's just kind of the... Irrelevant, unnecessary, and unremembered. Yeah, which is very disappointing for a Paul Dini book. Mm. It's, it's very much a lesser Paul Dini work. Now, given that the guy has set such a high bar... Yeah. Nothing he's done's awful. Mm. Heart of Hush is good, and he's run on Detective Comics. Has some classic stories in it. Every episode of the animated series he wrote is a gem. Yeah. Some are better than others, obviously, but everyone's a gem. And it's that's kind of that's, I mean, everyone's allowed an off day, I suppose. But he's writing the exact same story. But he's pretty much betraying everything about that story. Mm. It doesn't work as well, does it? No. Okay. Anyway, that's our let's do a Harley Quinn episode. Right. To cash in on the fact that there's a film out. And, you know, she's basically DC's version of Wolverine at this point. She's headlining three books. Three? Three, I think. There's Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn and her Harley's... And the little black book. And the little and Harley's little black book, yeah. yeah. So there's three titles there. She's a big money she's spinner in, in merchandise. She's in now as well, that's She's four. in Suicide Squad. Oh, she's in the boot now as well. Yeah. Right. Well, Jim Lee recently declared her one of DC's three main headliners. And he's not wrong. No. So, there you go. Mm. So, DC have now got their own anti-hero on a level of the Joker, the Joker, the Punisher and Wolverine. Yeah. That they can exploit and merchandise until it goes away. Mm. So, you know. Anyway, two out of three ain't bad. Batman Adventures was a good, solid read. Yeah. Mad Love was absolutely exceptional. Mm. And that Harley Quinn one shot... Mm, all right. Not, it had a good cover. It did. Yeah, it <laughs> let's, let's remember it for its merit. Yeah. And the only thing that's remembered about it. Yeah, the cover by Alex Ross. Okay, fair enough. Next time, an all new episode of Hey Kids Comics. We will return with our Batman and Superman episode. Okay. Yay! So we're a little bit later for that uh, I think we've missed the boat. I think so. Because we've missed the cinema release. And the DVD And release. the DVD release. But hey, people are still arguing about it. That's true. So the I have picked... Yeah. I have picked... And I don't think it will. <laughs> I've picked three uh, Batman Superman stories I think are pretty damn good and un- underrated. Are you going to pick any? I might do. Oh, I'll right. have a look. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if Michael brings anything to the table. And uh, that'll be next time, a Batman vs. Superman episode. We're all DC this summer, aren't we? Oh, yeah. We need to do some Marvel. That's next Or some summer. independent. 
next summer. Yeah, okay. We want to do Aliens. Okay. Because that's just celebrated its 25th. Right. And my copy is now signed by Mark Verheiden. Okay. Which is lovely. All right, okay. Thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed that. Sorry that last issue was a bit of a downer. But uh, we'll be back next time with more comic book frivolity and fun. And two northern chances talking utter bollocks. (laughs) That's how it goes, isn't it? See you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production and a Two True Freaks presentation. The opinions of Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew in the show. Kind of in the title. Uh, music used in the show is for review purposes only and we believe that comes under fair use. If you want to drop a few tips in our tip jar, feel free to use the Two True Freaks Amazon link, which costs you nothing, but gives us a little something to help produce content like this. Michael and Andrew are both on Twitter and on Facebook and correspondence to the show can be sent to Hey Kids Comics at virginmedia.com. <laughs>